0: (laughs) Hello and welcome to the The Sam D Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Duzumay Jr. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube at The Sam D, that's T-H-E-E-S-A-M-D. For all content, audio, and visual, hit up TheSamD.com. Follow along with the podcast on social media at podcast. Musical production done by May 1st Music. Support him at SoundCloud.com slash May 1st Music. I had a business decision last night to make. Uh, a lot of y'all know, that I've, I've talked about here, uh, recently moved. So I moved, was able to be in the new spot for like three or four days and then I immediately went to South Carolina for damn near three weeks. So been back for about a week or so, maybe two weeks now, so it's my first extended time in the new spot. So' been doing a lot of stuff. Um, housework, getting shit set up here, DIYing a lot of stuff. So, Yesterday was one of those type of long days, just DIY, making runs here, Home Depot, Lowe's, making it happen. And when I got back to the crib at that night, I was tired. So I had to make a business decision. I said, all right, I'm going to give Sixers-Hawks the first half to let me know what type of time the game is on, and then I'm going to see how it goes. I'm either going to push through if the game is close or – If one team or the other, most likely Philly, would be in control, all right, I'm going to take it down, take a power nap, and save the energy for Jazz Clippers. Because on paper, that seems to be the more competitive game or the more likely game to be close. So, watch the first half. Sixers and Hawks. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. The, the Sixers are going to go ahead and put them to bed, or at least it seemed that way. So at halftime, they were up, and and B was going off, even though he got hurt, still was able to get points off. Uh, Tobias seemed to be engaged. Ben was able to be, you know, a little bit aggressive, almost on his way to a triple-double by halftime. So I said, all right, okay, Sixers got this. Let me not overreact. Let me go ahead and take it down and uh, get ready for this Jazz Clippers game four. So that seemed to be a more pivotal game. So I'll take the Power Nap. Power Nap went a little bit longer than I intended to. Woke up about the middle of the second quarter of Jazz Clippers. And that game's a blowout. So I said, oh shit, two blowouts. All right, man, let me just go on and just take it down for, for the night. I ain't even going to worry about it. I'll pod in the morning. We'll figure I'll re everything at that point in time, fresh off the wake-up. So here we are, fresh off the wake-up, glass of distilled water, couple of tablespoons of sea moss, and I go in, watch the games, and holy shit, Philly. <laughs> what the fuck? But let me not overreact. Know what I'm saying? Keep things in perspective. Let me not overreact. I talked about this on Greg Larnett's show last week. Uh, don't have that audio. Signals got crossed. I think he was supposed to send it to me. Didn't get it. So that was supposed to be our bonus content last week. Uh, but I made the point on his show that, look, the Hawks need to figure out what they're going to do. You're going to let Embiid kill you and dare him to drop 50 every night? Or... You're going to do everything in your power to double and triple team him and allow the others to kill you. Like, choose your poison. Pick your poison. Going to let Embiid destroy you all by himself if his knee can hold up? Do you play those odds of whether Embiid's knee can hold up enough for him to kill you, dropping 40, 50-plus every game? Or do you play the odds of, I don't think, Tobias, Seth, Ben, Shake, Tybel, whoever that collective can kill me, four out of seven. And it seemed like they were tinkering. And you know, there's some there's some basketball heads that would prefer you to have a variety of defensive looks and da 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 da. But to me, it's like, well, that only depends if you have the horses. If the Hawks were at full strength, I wouldn't be mad if they tried to switch up because they would have a Cam Reddish who's really good defensively on the perimeter, who can help out double down. And it's big enough in terms of height where if he gets switched on the Embiid, it's still Swiss cheese, but at least he can stymie a little bit. It's not like Herter. It's not like, you know, Bogdanovich getting caught on the switch where it's automatic Swiss cheese and it's going to be a two hand dunk if the knee holds up. You'd have a DeAndre Hunter out there who has the size and and the defensive acumen. So if the Hawks were have full strength, I wouldn't be mad at the strategy of, nah, just switch it up. Sometimes we're going to double and triple him hard, pause. And sometimes we're just going to let him cook and dare him to kill us on the bad knee. All right, cool. But you don't got the horses, bruh. So at that point, you can't be that flexible. You have to just live and die with it. And in the first half, they tried that variety bullshit. And in the second half, they did less of that. And they kind of dared and beat on a bad knee to kill him. Take your team home, go up 3-1, take it to the crib and finish us off. If you could do that on a bad knee, we'll gladly walk off into the sunset. We'll go fishing. We'll go 1-2-3 Cancun. We'll do all of that. And Embiid's bad knee couldn't respond. Oh for 12. And a lot's made about the last possession, where he had a chance. He had a driving, uh, shot attempt. You try to finger roll it, not like Patrick Ewing against Rick Smiths back in the day, but similar. He was a lot closer to the rim than Pat was. But then you had Ben there, and let's talk about Ben, because like I said, when when I when I took the power nap, let me see, let me find my phone here. Where's my phone? So I had, I, had to sh- I had to screenshot this because I wanted to make sure I remember these numbers. These are very particular numbers that he had, his first half line. And then what he ultimately ended up the game with. So Ben, when I took the power nap, was 8-11-7. Like I said, on the way to a triple-double. Easy triple-double. So 8-11-7. Man's finished with 11-12-9. and nine. Huh? You're two points and three assists away from a triple dub at half. And you can't even get a Draymond triple dub. You can't even get an H&H triple dub. Like, that's a poor man's triple dub. That's what the habitual nut hitter Draymond is perfect at. He'll get you them low-budget triple dubs. At half, eight, eleven, and seven... And you finish with 11, 12, and 9? And because you're so sus at the feet-throw line, you couldn't be on the floor on the last possession? This is what we're talking about. That's your second-best player. Your second-best player, player is a third of the way to a triple-dub and doesn't get a triple-dub in a big game, in a momentum, you know, rhythm-impacting, series-impacting game. Can't get it done in the big spot. But that's your second best player. And that's where the shortcomings come. Because if, look, man, I'm not going to overreact to go too crazy here. Because, you know, Sixers thought game one was admiration. Didn't think, you know, it took a franchise record amount of threes. And okay, okay. Did a franchise amount, did, was there a franchise breaking amount of threes last night? Was it just an admiration last night? All right. All right. I'm just saying. Look, man, it happens. It happens when you have the second leading vote getter in the MVP race and he goes over in the second half. It happens. I guess. It happens when your second best player is two points and three assists away. From getting a triple double at halftime, and he can't even do that. It happens. I guess. It happens when all five starters get in double figures, but then Doc has the ingenious mind to dust off Shake again, thinking that he's gonna get a second game stealing performance from Shake. I mean, a guy of Doc Rivers' acumen and caliber should know that a role player like a shake doesn't give you those types of performances more than once in a series. I mean, he should, he should have been around the league long enough to know that that shake game was the shake game. There's no shake games. That was the shake game. But I mean... I understand that he thought lightning could strike twice because, I mean, he's Doc Rivers. He's a good coach. He made an adjustment. I guess. So this is where we're at. This is where we are at. Now, do I think Philly's going to lose this series? I've never said that. I just said, Don't let it happen. Because then I'm unleashing everything. And y'all already see what the hashtag is. It's been on every pod in the podcast description. If you've never noticed, scroll down. Check out the hashtags. That hashtag, it's evolved over the years. Because first it was Philly will let us down. Or Philly let us down. Then it was Philly let us down again. And then after last year, after getting swept in the bubble, I had to go ahead and make it definitive. Philly will always let us down. I don't know what I can do after that if they trick it off this year, whether it's this series or the next, or if they're lucky enough, the one after that, if they don't get a chip this year, with bodies falling down left and right, that are skewing narratives left and right, if they trick it off this year, I don't know what the hashtag should be. I mean, where else do you go after Philly will always let us down? What's, what, what's the next level? I mean, I tried to be nice the first time. Hey, man, Philly, Philly let us down, but okay, we'll see what happens next year. Then the next year, they let us down again. Damn, all right, hashtag, Philly let us down again. Then it gets swept in the bubble. Damn, dog, this is becoming a pattern. Y'all looking like the Celtics out here. You could get to the Eastern Conference Finals. You could keep doing that. But they keep tricking it off. So now it's Philly will always let us down. Now they have a chance where everyone is falling down left and right with injuries. What the hell should the hashtag be? If they trick this off again, you know the number. Voicemails there. You know the Twitter. DMs are open. Or you can at me. doesn't matter. I don't know what the hashtag should be if they trick this off yet again. But if you've never noticed, that hashtag's been sitting there every episode. Whether it's bonus content, whether it's a tennis episode, whether it's a football episode, that hashtag just sits there as a reminder that Philly will always let us down. Utah Clippers is going to be an interesting series because Mike Conley better get healthy quick, man. Mike Conley better hurry up and get healthy, cause Donovan is trying his damnedest. He's trying. Bogdanovich gives him a little bit. Ingles got under pandemic P skin, so he's doing what he's supposed to do. Rudy is, you know, Rudy is Rudy, and this is why it's hard to see this guy be praised the way that he hit that way that he is even as a alleged defensive stalwart, when it's like, all right, man, but in the playoffs, teams continuously find a way to score despite you. And I've never seen a defensive player of the year be marginalized defensively in this manner. The Dubs have been able to do it. The Nuggets were able to do it last year. Rudy Gobert... He gets these defensive accolades and this alleged defensive acumen for this crazy wingspan and being over seven feet. But who is he stopping? And what plays are is he stopping? I I don't know, man. I feel bad for Donovan because Donovan's out here. He answered the call. I, I mean, I don't know if he's listening to the pod, but I said, yo, if he if, if the Jazz are going to win this series, Donovan Mitchell needs to show me he's top ten. And he's hooping like he's top ten. I don't think it's going to be enough, though, if Mike Conley don't pull up. Because now the Jazz don't have the wing defenders. And Rudy Gobert isn't who y'all think he is. So he can't stop it when PG or Pandemic P is in the paint. He can't even stop those shot attempts. I I don't expect him to stop the stuff on the perimeter. But you can't stop Zubach on a pick and roll. You can't stop Zubach from rolling. You can't close out on Morris twin in the corner and get a finger on the rock. You know, the corner three is coming like the old English font's offense is extremely simple as most NBA offenses are when you really pierce everything and get past the schematic stuff. And when you just pierce it, it's usually pick and roll based or driving kick based And the old English font is driving kick based. If it's not just straight ISO ball, if it's not just give it the, Robot Jordan and Boardman and get out the way. Or if he's hot, pandemic P, give him the rock and get out the way. The Jazz need help. Cause the Jazz gonna keep putting them threes up. We've talked about it here a lot. The Jazz gonna keep putting them threes up. And if they fall, they're hard to beat. But that's Danny any team, right? Shit. If the fucking Bulls put up 30 threes and he hit 20 of them, they're hard to beat. So it's what else can you do for me, and if it's not Donovan, who else you got? Ingles, who I think is Diet Luca, he can't really create. That's why he's Diet Luca. He's got there all the other skill sets, but he just can't. His 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 handles aren't on the level to be able to create and get by most defenders in the NBA. Bogdanovich is not the Atlanta Bogdanovich. Same name, similar game, but not as impactful. Royce O'Neal's not a score. Clarkson is a gunner off the bench. You know, they're trying to figure out how to get him more minutes, run with the starters a little bit to try to help Donovan out a little bit by giving him some spacing help. But, I mean, now your bench is even less. So, Mike Conley needs to suit up at some point. I mean, look, if he's that hurt, then just say he's out. But this allure of not knowing if Conley's going to play game to game it's kind of asinine. I know guys want to give it a go and stuff like that, and we'll definitely get into uh, Kyrie and, and the net stuff and all that in regards to injuries. We'll, we'll definitely get there. But when it comes to this Conley thing, like, all right, dog, either you hoop it or you not. Like when AD, he got hurt, he tried in warm-ups for game, what was that game four or game five? think it was five. Tried in the warm-ups for game five, couldn't go. Made the trip and all that. Then game six at the crib, elimination game, he said, fuck it, I'm going to try. He tried and he couldn't. So, you know, it's a wrap. And that's kind of how that goes. If you try and you can't go, all right, then get done. Sit down. But this daily Mike Conley shit like I right, bro it's almost like what like with the beard like bruh is the hamstring good or not I know hamstrings a tough injury I know it's just a tough injury to dissect it's a tough injury to rehab within a week or so but bruh if it's that shut it down just say yo he'll be back for the Eastern Conference Finals if they get there just say that he's out for this series if they make it to Easter Conference Finals, he'll give it a go. And then be done with it. But this daily thing of, is Harden going to play? We don't know. Then you find out the day before, the day of, oh, he's out. Like, well, yeah, they probably knew he was going to be out. Like, they're already saying he's out for tonight. But they announced that last night. But it's like, dog, you knew from the, over the weekend. Hamstrings don't magically improve within 72 to 48, like, 48 to 72 hours, like or 96 hours. No, nah, it, it, it doesn't work like that. So Mike Conley is going to have to play or just say, yo dog, I can't go this series. I'll be back for the Western conference finals. But if that's the case, I don't know if the jazz is going to make it to the Western conference finals because Donovan needs a lot more help. The only thing, the only thing helping them is that home court has remained supreme in this particular series. So jazz have home court, if the home team wins then the Jazz will figure it out and we'll make it to the Western Conference Finals. But that's a dicey game because if if the Pandemic P and Boardman are cooking the way that they have been the last two games, that's going to be a problem. That can win on the road. If they're both dropping 30, if they're both dropping 30, that's another thing. Like, you're picking your poison. You're either going to go all in because they don't have a perimeter wing defender, the Jazz. So... You're either going to go all in on stopping one of the two, but you can't let both get off. Most teams just let Kawhi get off and you hound Pandemic P or vice versa. But not, we're going to let both get off. How does that work? So I don't know what adjustments the Jazz can make. I don't know what Quinn, Quinn Snyder can do because ain't nobody's on that bench, bro, that he could dust off and throw out there and all of a sudden make an impact. I don't see a dude that's been you know, languishing on the pine, marinating on that bench, that can now come in and do work. But if they play the percentages, they got home court for a reason, right? So they should be able to hold serve, take the L, uh, game six, and then get it to seven. So if, if they're heading to game five back in Utah, get that dub. Potentially could close out the old English font, at Staples, probably lose that game. Then by game seven, if Conley ain't playing then, I mean, then you really know, all right, then we just got to lean on the fact that we at the crib. We at the crib, and we got to hope that Pandemic P and Boardman don't kill us in our own building. Jazz are playing with fire, though, but this, this whole season is nothing but attrition. The, this is, whole season is survival. Survival of the fittest. Survival of the healthiest. Whatever you are, if you have the most healthy bodies at the end, you're going to win. That was kind of the case in the bubble. But with everything we've seen since the end of the bubble, this is way more of an attrition-filled season than anything we saw in the bubble. What does Jason Kidd know that we don't? J-Kidd turned down Dame, turned down Rip City, but he's allegedly saying yes to talking to Orlando? I don't know about that one. Unless you're telling me Dame's in play for Orlando. Because what else is in Orlando? I mean, besides Mickey. What else? I mean, you're telling me J.K. is going to leave L.A., where he's coaching up the last few years of LeBron. Still relatively in the peak of A.D. He can help. He can still be that looming presence to make sure the pressure stays on Frank Vogel's neck. Knowing that at at any whim, if LeBron wants to get Vogel out of there, Jake is the coach in waiting. You want to leave that? for Wendell Carter Jr. Markel Fultz, Jonathan Isaac, Mo Bamba, I don't know. I don't know what that what that is about. Maybe he's just taking an interview to show that he's not going to turn down all gigs. He just didn't want the Portland gig because he's not sure what the roster is going is to look like. At least that's what has been floated out publicly that he allegedly said. He's not sure what the roster is going to look like, so he doesn't want to go up there to Portland because Portland Rip City might get Dame or Dame might get himself about the paint. I don't know what to make of that. I mean, he also might be letting Milwaukee know, "Hey, look, see, I might I'll take if I'll take the Orlando gig. Just cuz I won't take the Portland gig doesn't mean I won't take the Orlando gig, which ultimately means doesn't mean I won't say no to y'all." if y'all trick this off against the Nets without two of the big three and y'all still want butt up out of there I'll come back home I'll finish what I started and there's a uh, a mis- misnomer of kid's tenure in Milwaukee yes it was weird he had a lot of relationships with the front office I'm not sure if all of the front office he was tight with is still there but That team was starting to trend upward his last two seasons there. I think he had he was there for four years, either four years or five years. And he went through the dog days. The dog days of Giannis, the dog days of Chris Middleton, Malcolm Brogdon. He had all those dudes as youngins. And they were starting to trend upward his last two seasons. I think they finished, I think it was a combined three or four games over 500. No, two games over 500, excuse me. Two games over 500, his last two. last. So they were trending up where they were trash before that. So the trajectory was starting to, the ascension was coming. And then whatever happened, happened, and he had to get the fuck up out of there. So JKid, willing, allegedly, to talk to Orlando about their coaching position, which I, I mean, I ran down the roster. Would you leave LA? You already said no to Dame. You're saying no to Dame to go to Orlando? Or you're saying no to Dame and no to Rip City, but you're saying yes to Orlando? Seems weird. Seems seems very weird. I mean, maybe they know something because I mean they got rid of two pieces that meant nothing. Two pieces that meant nothing and they were able to get Decent hauls, respectively, for them. I mean, they got rid of Aaron Gordon, who showed you. I mean, I I tried to tell y'all when that trade went down, everyone was going crazy, like, oh my God, Aaron Gordon in Denver. I'm like, uh, again, this is where people don't watch basketball outside of you know their favorite teams or just whatever's on the TNT games or the ESPN games. Like, no, I'm like, have you watched Aaron Gordon play basketball? Like, this ain't dunk contest stuff. This is actual like playing the game of basketball. And I know you can Google and look up his box score and say, well, he averages like, yeah, but have you watched him play basketball though? If you watched Aaron Gordon play basketball, when that trade was announced, you would have had the same reaction I had, which is, I mean, I guess this is something. I, I guess he could be a third or fourth guy. I, I guess. Cause again, that was when Jamal Murray was still hurt or still healthy. So I was like, I mean, as a third option yeah, or fourth because of Michael Porter Jr. I guess because y'all know me, y'all know I know basketball. So if I'm hesitant to even co-sign him as a fourth option, I mean, I don't know how you saw Blue Check Boys and other people on social media going crazy about some Aaron Gordon. It's just a name. He's a known name. Because of the dunk contest being Mr. 50, all that bullshit. So Orlando was able to get rid of that. We ain't getting nowhere with him. We might as well get rid of him. Same thing with Vucevic, all star, all that type of shit. If we do make the playoffs, we're always a goddamn ABC getting run out the building by a one seed. Even though they got one win against Milwaukee in the bubble last year, I'll give them that. But I mean, Vucevic, we ain't doing shit with him. You might as well get rid of him. Flipped him to Chicago bulls thought all right we can make a play a push to the play-in now we have two all-stars we got levine and vucevic i gassed y'all up on that pod had that bulls episode locked and ready and what the bulls do not even close to the fucking play-in so i mean at least orlando is trying to get rid of dead weight trim the fat so maybe Kidd is like all right now that they've trimmed the fat they got rid of Vucevic and that, and that contract. They got rid of Aaron Gordon and that looming contract. Now they got a whole bunch of youngies. They did re-up on faults, So you locked in with him. Jonathan Isaac should be back by next season. I mean, he'll have damn near a year and a half off. He should be ready to go. I would like to think at some point they're going to give the keys, in essence, or at least give a starting role or a more significant role to Mo Bamba, Harlem. So this piece is there, Cole Anthony. I don't know what a Cole Anthony false backcourt looks like. I don't know if that's even how you want to do that. Maybe you just have Cole run with the twos. But I mean, you know, there's some pieces there. There's young pieces there. Whereas if he goes to Rip City, it's Dame and what else? And that's assuming Dame is still there. So I'm not mad at it, but it just sounded weird when I first saw that. Like, wait, he's going to say yes to interviewing with Orlando? But he said no to Ripset? All right, let me pierce this. Let Let me pull back the layers a little bit. Like, oh, they trimmed the fat. It is nothing but youngins. And that's what Kid likes. Kid likes to coach youngins. Kid's not really here for a vet group. That's why the shit in Brooklyn ain't work out. Cause he had to deal with vets, and that's where the whole former player thing, it's very touchy. When I mean, you're a former star player and you become a coach, and then you have to deal with the egos of current day stars, it can rub you the wrong way, and that's where the whole philosophy thing or the era, differences between eras and styles of play, all that stuff comes into play. So kid might say, you know what? Give me a young roster. That way I could train them up on how to be potential stars. Because Giannis still, the Nigerian freak, still talks glowingly about j Kidd. So there's no, I mean, remember, he went to the owner and tried to save j Kidd's job. He put his neck out there for j Kidd. When it was clear that they were moving on from j Kidd. the Nigerian freak went to management and was like, nah, I really want this dude. And, you know. They said, nah, dog. Like, we fucks with you, cool story. You're sticking up for your man's. We know he helped your progress. But nah. Coach Bud is available. He's coming off some coach of the year shit in Atlanta. No, nah, no, nah, no, nah, no. Nah. We're gonna go get Coach Bud. And we'll keep that energy going with Coach Bud and the Bucks as we transition to Nets versus Bucks. Well, it's a series. I said if they can get it to 2 2, it's a series. I, don't, I didn't think it would get to 2-2 two, two this way. You know, I think it was good that the Bucks were able to get game three, even though it was an ugly game, low-scoring game, both teams under 90. That might have been the anomaly. But game four, let's have the honest conversation again. So, y'all yeah, know how I feel about him. If you haven't, just check last week's pod. And if you haven't checked that one, go check the one about a year ago. So Giannis did a Giannis thing game four, where he came out, he was uber aggressive, but it's the same moves. And this is where, this this is where coaching comes in, because it was clear from game three that they were going to try to get Giannis more in the move more in transition, get the pace up a little bit. And despite all that, they couldn't even drop 90 points. So then in game four, they take it to another level where they're really pushing the tempo. And they got Giannis on the run again, and he's doing the transition stuff, and he's Euro stepping or Jero stepping or Joloff Rice stepping or Elgin Baylor stepping from half court, and he's getting to the rim with ease. If you're Steve Nash... If you're Mike D'Antoni, if you're Amari Stoudemire, next tape. And you see that Giannis is doing the Giannis stuff. Does anyone have film from the fucking bubble last year? The tape is there. It exists. The Miami blueprint is on YouTube. It's chilling right there. They work for the league. They got shit that's way advanced beyond league pass. They can pull all the games up from the bubble within seconds. Just go look at what Miami did to stop that Giannis shit. Now, do you have a Bam out of bio? No. Do you have a Jimmy Butler? No. Do you have Andre Iguodala? No. But you do have... The Kia Jumper. You do have Uncle Jeff Green. You do have Slim Reaper. You do have TLC, although it seems to be he's in a doghouse. So you can build a wall around Giannis to stop that shit. If the Miami Heat could do it in the bubble after an abbreviated season, how come you can't do it? The Carfax is there. It's at the click of a mouse. It's right there. It's in the fucking cloud. It's right there. Download the shit. It's right there. So everyone's focusing on Kyrie and, you know, can Slim Reaper do it all by himself? And that's certainly a storyline. But the storyline I'm looking at is, why y'all letting Giannis do the one thing that he can do? You found ways around it. Games one and two at the crib. Because I had to go back and see like, wait, are they, did they switch up something? Did they change rotations? Did they change? I didn't see that much of a difference. It's just what they're willing to let happen. No one picks up the ball. Game four, I've never seen so little. Or let, let me let me switch that up. I haven't seen such bad transition defense in a game like that since I was watching March Madness. Like only March Madness brings out when you're doing like a 116 game. It was some of the worst transition defense where no one's picking up the ball. If Giannis gets the rebound at the other end. And starts to gear up that head of steam. You know what's coming. Get up on him. Pause. At half court or up above the three-point line. Kia Jumper was letting him get that full head of steam and then stepping up at the circle. What? Jeff Green tried a couple of times, but I mean, it, it just seemed to be a disconnecting. Stopping the one thing that Giannis can do. It's the only way he could be impactful. When he starts to be able to run the break on his own and be a one man fast break and create those opportunities, that's when all the other shit becomes even easier, where he doesn't need a secondary move. The lobs come, his little bullshit post up comes all that stuff looks way more effective because now he's filling his shit. Giannis is a rhythm guy. If you fuck up his rhythm because he can't create, because he doesn't have a secondary move, there's no plan B. So if you slow down, stymie, get in the way of plan A, it's a Bort mission for Giannis. And in the first two games, the Nets were able to do that. Game three... Everyone was all everyone was bad in game three. And KD still almost saved the goddamn game. But game four was like, what the fuck am I watching? Like, have y'all not played against this dude before? Y'all been playing against this dude the last three games. And you let him do the same shit every single possession? Did they just get mentally tired? Is Giannis wearing them out? And can one move like Shaq used to do that? And that's why people like to bring up, oh, he's the most dominating big man since Shaq. Uh, again, slow down, be careful. Cause what's what's more likely to weigh you down? A dude that's three hundred and eighty pounds, seven foot two with muscle, leaning on your big man who's significantly smaller, or a dude that's six eleven with a crazy wingspan, who runs full steam ahead after getting a rebound. Both can wear you down. Both can be dominant. What's easier to stop? You ain't stopping 7'2, 380. You ain't stopping that. But we've seen, the movies exist. The movies were just, we saw it in a fucking bubble. The films exist. I don't know, man. Maybe this is where the Steve Nash get in a coaching gig right out the gate. Uh, maybe, this is where, maybe this is where this gets exposed. But, I mean, he has Dan Tony right next to him. But you know how I feel about him. He's got stat on the other side of him. You know how I feel about stat. Steve Nash has the demeanor of a coach. He's calm. He ne- never seems to get up or two down. So I mean, he seems to have that wit going for him, but I mean, you can't stop the other team's best player from doing the one thing that they can do. That's that's some suspect scheming. I don't know, I don't know. And the whole Kyrie beard thing. I mean, look, man, it's injuries, bro. This whole season has been has been dictated by injuries. But then we're we gonna talk about Kyrie because you know the narrative is AD. You know, Chuck out here calling him street clothes and everyone ran and laughed and clowned AD for that. And so much so that there was so much pressure for the man that he hobbled out there with a bad groin just to prove that he's not street clothes. I mean, y'all know that Kyrie's missed more games than AD though, right? But I don't hear no one calling Kyrie street clothes. I don't hear no one calling Kyrie injury prone or, you know, not showing up in a big spot or they both won chips. They both were instrumental with winning chips with Braun. But for some reason, AD is street clothes. Kyrie though, quiet is kept. We're all wishing him a speedy recovery. No one's trolling how many games Kyrie has missed. But we've seen AD play 70 plus games multiple times. All 82? No. But not too many players actually do that anymore. I mean, the the science and the math of the NBA shows that your best player shouldn't really be playing 82 games a year. And if they do, you better limit the fuck out of the minutes. So we want to clown AD for never playing 82 games, but now the trend is, oh, your star shouldn't play 82 games. Okay. Okay. Y'all make it make sense. If people want to hate on the bubble championship last year... I don't know how you take this year's championship as as anything that's more. It's the same shit. If you want to give an asterisk the last year, then you damn sure better give an asterisk this year. I mean, every team that matters has a significant injury. Philly's best player is hurt. Donovan Mitchell's fighting an ankle and doesn't doesn't have their second or third best player in Mike Conley. The only team that's healthy. We'll get there. If Kyrie plays, obviously they have a chance. Now, you can pull up stats that make it seem like Kevin Durant, Slim Reaper, who I feel is now the best player in the world. There's stats you could pull up that will make you think or you can sell the point that he can do this by himself cuz I think what's the 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 box plus minus, right? With KD, Beard, and Kyrie in the lineup, They're plus 13. With just KD in the lineup this year, the Nets are plus 13. So that's plus 13 per 100 possessions. So when he has the big two, plus 13. When it's just him, Joe Harris, and a bunch of dudes, plus 13. So now you can use that to sell yourself on the fact that Slim Reaper can do it by himself. But the Bucks, outside of the other team that will get there, the Bucks are relatively healthy. Yeah, they're, they're missing Big Ragu, but, I mean, Big Ragu's not. He's a, he's, a, he's a role player. The Big Three is their Big Three, and their Big Three is all healthy. So will it come down to the Bucs are healthy and these other teams aren't? If the Bucs can get the Nets out of here and they got Philly, and Embiid is still hobbling around on one knee. Will just the health of the Bucks outlast Embiid's one good knee? If in the West, Donovan Mitchell's bum angle, Mike Conley's health, prevent them from beating the Old English font because the Old English font, Kawhi and PG are good. Shit, even Pat Bavis is he's free now. He's out that Luca jail. He's running around getting feisty again. He's talking like he didn't get shit on last series. He's talking like he wasn't told you're too fucking little by a Slovenian 22-year-old. He's running around getting feisty again, doing shit, fucking around with Donovan. So, I mean, it's going to come down to who's healthy. Milwaukee's healthy in the East. That's the only team that's left that's healthy. In the West, there's two teams that's healthy. The old English font and... You know what it is. Oh, yeah, I thought I was going to give y'all that on this. No, 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 no. Y'all got to go ahead and get that bonus one. Go ahead and get that bonus one. Trust me. Y'all going to want that bonus one. I'll be going to talk about that other team. That I did not talk about uh, on that bonus one. And the player that y'all keep hitting me up about. We're going to talk about him on that bonus one. So, you know what it is. Appreciate y'all for listening. Uh, I see the content is moving a little bit. I uh, appreciate that. Uh, you know, the downloads. Appreciate that. Always download. Don't stream. Download the pod. That helps me uh, showcase what this pod can do and the power of y'all, which is my audience. So, download... If you got a stream I guess stream But I'm The only quantifiable thing We got In this industry As of right now Is download So Download the pod Uh All the Social media stuff Is in the podcast description All the merch Podcast description Everything that you could possibly Want to contribute to On the podcast Is in the podcast description So Uh Look out for that bonus content Y'all know who I'm gonna talk about And I know y'all been wanting me To talk about them Ever since Whatever So We'll get there. For the Sandy Podcast, I'm D. Sam D. I'm out.